Hello, all. Welcome to another episode of Movies IMO with your favorite film fags. Uh, <laughs> Language. <laughs> this is a high school show. Oh, that's so forceful. Fags. Um, Sounds like Mitt Romney. <laughs> nice. I was doing a Mitt Romney laugh last week, so mm-hmm. keep it going. Uh, I'm Brandon Kirby. I'm Ben Empey. I'm Daniel Crook. And today we are elated, thrilled, ecstatic, just over the moon, head over heels, excited to talk about Greta Gerwig's directorial debut, Lady Bird. I am agog for Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. That's a good word. That is a great word. Um, A lot of great words to come. (laughs) Oh, yes. A lot of pregnant pauses and emotional sighs to come. Yes. Um, Mostly we just say, you know what else I loved? You know, and we just repeat lines that we loved. It's really just moments that struck our hearts. It's just recapping Lady Bird is, is, <laughs> is this episode. We we had a theme going in, which was uh, actors <laughs> turned writer-directors, but um, we didn't, we didn't talk touch about it. Didn't touch it. Talk no. about Greta's development. I yeah, think my... the real theme of this episode was how did our own high school experiences <laughs> inform our viewing of Lady Bird? Yeah. Oh, in our own hometowns and relationships with parents. I've revealed something quite deep, quite dark. You Not did. dark. Well, it's no. kind of dark. Stay dark. People will listen to the end. <laughs> Stay tuned for a dark A dark surprise. About my high school experience. Yeah. Um, for a dark victory. So last time I led, led, hosted, led an episode uh, was Florida Project, which, which was my number one film of the year at the time. And now I am doing Lady Bird, which is also my number one, which is now my number one film of the year. So we'll see if the next one I do is also my number one film of the year. How exciting. How Stay, fun. How fun. It's fun to love things. I just love loving. This episode is full of love. It's... I love loving as well. If you're referring to the Jeff Nichols film, Loving. Oh, Ben doesn't like that movie. A story told in living tableau. <laughs> Brandon, why don't you summarize Lady Bird for our <laughs> listeners who may not have seen it yet? Oh, good idea. Lady Bird is about a high schooler named, what's her real name? Christine Christine McPherson. McPherson. Christine McPherson, who gave herself her own given name of Lady Bird. It was given to me by me. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And it's chronicling her senior year of high school. And it's just uh, her relationship with her mother and applying for colleges and just... Boyfriends. Boyfriends. Memories. It's, Best it's, friends. It's memories of a senior year, and it's, uh, that's the plot. It's, a, it's yeah. a movie about self-discovery at a moment when you think you've already learned everything there is to know about you and the world around you. Yeah, it's... it's and a, how that impacts your relationship with your mother. Yeah, it's a coming-of-age story that hits every beat of a coming-of-age story, but it feels like something we've never seen before, even though it is completely... Something we've seen before. It's it's incredible the way it uh, crafts itself. So I don't think it isn't like anything we've ever seen before. I mean, we've seen like with any genre, you've seen something in that genre you've before. Seen, you've seen elements of. But it. I think she rewrites the rule book on coming of age. Totally, totally. I'm, I want. I, mean, I wanted to say in our conversation, just a, a shot that delights me is at the cowboy themed homecoming when they when Lady Bird and uh, Julie first like run into frame mm-hmm. it's just so fun I want to bring up a <laughs> shot of Lady Bird and Julie that I didn't talk about which is the overhead of them eating communion crackers oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. talking about masturbating in their bathtubs <laughs> so great can't wait for us to talk about the shape of water by the way <laughs> oh great in a couple weeks oh. 
Great. Someone's seen it. Nice. Um, so anyway. I, ha- I have been at the AFI Fest, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> nice. Having the time of my life. Hell yeah. So, yeah, this is a preview of what's to come this episode. Us just talking about our favorite scenes from Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. Um, so, enjoy. Yeah. Let's I, do I, it. I think that, uh, I think we're going to cut before I said any of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> We're finally talking about Lady Bird. No. It's really exciting. We've been very excited to talk about this movie for like two weeks. Dreaming of this moment my whole life. So much so that we've all seen it twice by now. Yes. Can you believe that? Let's talk about the feeling it gives you in the movie theater. I was like so tired on Friday and I was like sad. I didn't really want to leave my house. And I was like, I'm just going to go see Lady Bird again. And it made me so happy. And I felt alive after. And I was, like, awake for, like, five more hours. Really? hmm The movie has the opposite effect on me. Wow. I get really sad. Oh. But, like, a very profound sadness that mm-hmm. I like. I, it's really weird. I'll meet you it, about halfway. Because I, especially the second time, was bawling through the entire movie. But I felt so alive. I had a little lemon lift after I left the film. And I think because it put me so much in touch with my emotions mm-hmm. and with some formative, not traumas, but uh, took me back to some teenage issues that I had with my parents that continue to reverberate. But like this was like getting in a time machine, you know, and like watching myself. Yeah. Anyway, so I, it got me very emotional, but it also was very inspirational at the same time. Yeah, I'm just inspired by it as a film yeah. that it makes me feel alive. I'm yeah, it is incredibly inspiring and Greta Gerwig is an inspiration to me. Mm-hmm. I am just in awe of this debut. Same. I think one of the reasons why it hits people so close to home is because it is in this genre that we're all familiar with, like the high school movie, and we're used to having this populated with stock characters, nerds, bad boys, bitchy siblings, overbearing parents. And this movie gives you a cast of characters that are not caricatures, but people. And so everything that they say and do is completely believable because it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel, ironically, it's all on the page, but it doesn't feel like that stock quality of it. Yeah. That that is just so like screenwriting 101. It doesn't feel like that at all. So I think it's so inspirational because you really feel like you've spent time with people that are real and not just figments of some idiosyncratic screenwriter's quirky imagination. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just such an honest movie and so specific, like the Sacramento stuff specifically. And what's the phrase? Specificity creates universality. Specificity does create universality. What, how did I pronounce specificity? <laughs> It's fine. It sounded like you said Mississippi. <laughs> Mississippi creates um, poverty, <laughs> oh. bigotry. Um, oh dear. Yeah this this movie really taps into like you said, Daniel, memories, uh, and I think it's because Greta is tapping into her own memories. Ben, you you said it in our group chat um, that this is a brilliant. What'd you call it? A memory poem. A memory poem. Because I think it's structured the way that you remember events of your life. It's like, you don't remember full scenes of anything. It's just like, you remember this 
10 second moment of this day like when I think about my senior year of high school it's like I probably remember only 93 minutes and like that that's meaningful to me mm-hmm. and just like flashes and like all this connective tissue is gone and I love that but yeah. such immediate flashes yes you know with so much texture to them and so much specificity mm-hmm. And I think that that touches on what makes this screenplay so radical to me. I mean, it's one thing that it's just so well observed with its characters, with its ideas, especially the idea that maybe love and attention are the same thing. There's just, oh my God, there's so much wisdom baked into this movie. So many lines. Yeah. Oh, and just, um, you know, exactly. So so many memorable turns of phrase. When the friend says, some people are just built sad. Yeah. yeah. The second time I saw it, when she said that, I just started weeping. <laughs> Julie's sad, and I, I also wept. But this, um, the narrative through line of the film is based completely on your affection for its characters. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, a, a screenplay basically gets you from A to Z, and generally that arc is fluid, and A to Z are connected not just on an emotional level, but in a very practical uh, plot beat sort of way. Um, but Lady Bird... So many different things happen in this movie, and they're certainly all connected on her learning to grow into herself and learning to appreciate where she comes from and the job that her parents did raising her. But it's not like... Let me let me back up. I feel like most movies would have the high school play be the uh, unifying device for the entire right. script. Sure, yeah. In this movie, it's like 15 minutes. Right. Um, and there are so many mini-movies inside of this, and they just float based on the emotions of the characters yeah, and their dreams and hopes and hurts and feelings for one another and the way that they bend and break. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And me. it's like the, the it's applying to college. That's like the thing that is th- threaded through the whole way, but, but like, it's such a micro way. Yeah. It's like, there are f- maybe four scenes. She mentions in, in the beginning, she wants to go to the East coast. She asks her dad to help her with financial aid. She and, gets that fine. And these are never scenes that are necessarily about that as much as it's mm-hmm. buried within the scene. Yeah. Like she just she says it to her mom in the first scene. Mm-hmm. And then she says it to her dad a couple of times as asides. Mm-hmm. Apart from the moment when he comes in on Christmas to let her know that he's filled out her FAFSA application. But even that is part of this larger Christmas New Year's sequence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because then we go straight from that into the sparklers. Or, or not sparklers, but like the Happy New Year's yeah. scene outside yeah. afterwards. The the rhythm of this movie. And I think yeah, it's the also, editing's amazing the, in this Also too. in the editing, yeah. Like, those scenes that are, like you said, Ben, like, three seconds long. Like, when she gets the, the cast cut off, it's yeah. like, yes! Boom, boom, in the trash, and it's like, all right, on to the next. She yeah. got the cast off. And in a, in, a le- in a less smart, but, like, quotation marks, like, smart movie, right. Lady Bird would, would have given a whole monologue as she's having the cast torn off of her about it would have how been she's like a grown up over. now yeah. you know what I mean like I love that it's just a, um, it's barely a transition yeah. it, it just marks time and that's it yeah it's it really not an opportunity it reminds me else. of Claire Denis and I believe Greta Gerwig has said that she saw Beau Travail 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 and everything <laughs> changed for her and it, this doesn't really remind me of Beau Travail so much but it really reminds me of 35 Shots of Rum in the way that it constructs mm. scenes and the way that it, uh, like, oftentimes there isn't, like, explicit conflict in the scene that we're watching, but the conflict is purely in the editing, and that's what I think Claire Denis does so well, and I think Greta Gerwig has really 
taken that and made it her own in this movie. I think that she sets up so much in the editing. Um, in the title sequence, when they're all at prayer in the church, we get an idea not just of the geography of that room, but we get close-ups of each of our main characters. Yes, yeah. without knowing without really knowing who they are, who they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she just has so much care and attention in the editing that she places on each of these characters that we know that, even if we don't know who they are at the time, she has, I noticed this more the second time around. Like she sets everything up really perfectly. Yeah. I had the same thing the second time I saw it. I noticed so much more detail. The first time I was just so happy. Yeah. The first time (laughs) I was so overwhelmed with just emotion Mm -hmm. and. And the movie's so funny. Mm-hmm. The second time I saw it, I, I went to a, a Friday night 9.40 showing. AMC Century City. Just run of the mill. I was People parking. just going to the movie theater. Fuck that fucking parking structure. Mm-hmm. It took Kyle, me 25 minutes when I went on Friday. Mikhail lost the car. Because it's such a fucking maze. <laughs> um, but... So it was just very run of the mill audience. Like, just going... People I wouldn't expect. I was like, I walked in all cynical. I was like, oh, these people are just seeing Thor. And all around me, 9.40 for Lady Bird, 9.40 for Lady Bird. I was like, wow. Did you they didn't go to the automatic the kiosk? No, but in... There There's was still people, a line. People were, I don't know, people were just saying 9.40 <laughs> Lady Bird to each other. I mean, when I saw it at 2 o'clock, I was just walking around the theater going, 2 o'clock Lady Bird, 2 o'clock Lady Bird, so no one in particular. Yeah, isn't that what people do? Um, so this audience... such. So so warm everyone loves this movie and it's tapping into all type of moviegoers like cinephiles down to like just people who see it as like a great comedy it's really fucking funny yeah it definitely works on both of those levels i think yeah um when she runs up to lucas hedges in the supermarket and to mm-hmm. ask him out and he's, she's like you come here often so good <laughs> so good i like when she tells timothy Chalamet. What's his name? Chalamet. Chalamet. Kyle. Says, she says, don't say I'll kill your family. Yeah, that's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> that made me think of you, Brandon. Thank you. <laughs> I like when Kyle says, I'm really trying to not spend money right now. I don't want to participate in this economy. Yes. I've been trying to get by it by bartering. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking quotable. It is. I don't know if we want to dive into this just yet. I could spend hours sitting here just quoting our favorite lines. Um, first thing is, I hope it gets nominated for Best Editing. I hope it just miraculously wins. It won't over Dunkirk. No, but Dunkirk's I just, right. I just pray and hope that it yeah. at least gets nominated. It does but, as much exciting stuff with time that Dunkirk does. I agree. It does. I agree. I also want to talk about um, Francis Ha in mm-hmm. relation. But maybe we shouldn't get there yet. No, we barely started this. Let's but, just talk about Lady okay, Bird. Right. I just think about San, you know, Sacramento and, and Francis Hyde. Oh, well, we can talk about that a little How bit. How much she learned from Francis. Francis Hyde is like a, a pre not a prequel, but it's like she took what she put in Francis Ha and then built it, expanded on it. Yeah. yeah. What she was working on with Noah Baumbach, she took that and transpose it into Ladybird. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying that this is what you're saying, okay? But I do think that there's a tendency with female artists especially to assume that everything they write is autobiographical. Obviously, Ladybird is autobiographical on some level. But when you look at the Sacramento scene in Francis Ha versus all of this, 
I see completely different relationships with the parents. Right. You know, yeah. I see completely different worlds that she's revisiting, apart from the commonality of going to church. But I wondered after I saw Lady Bird if Frances Hanaway could be considered a sequel to this. Like she stayed in New mm-hmm. York. Right. And then she goes back to Sacramento for a second. But the, the way that she talks to her mother um, doesn't resemble the more caustic, confrontational. But that might have come. Again, we don't know if it's autobiographical. Yeah. I don't, is she the, sad if it is? The characters in Lady Bird have no bearing on real life. That's what she said. Period. Really the only thing, like, maybe she, like, alluded to that, like, some situations maybe happened to her. Sure. And she loves Sacramento mm-hmm. as much as Lady Bird does. Yeah. But, like... It's honestly it's more... It's more props to Saoirse Ronan for nailing Greta's body language so beautifully. Yeah. yeah. Just the way she slinks around. Um, while also, like, like strong... In the shoulders and upper back, but just like from the waist down, it's just like a slinky. One of my favorite scenes is speaking of body language, the way she sneaks into the classroom and throws out the, oh, the grades, the grade book. I think a B, mm, <laughs> like a B minus, maybe even a C plus. It's your. What does he say? It's your. It's, her, it's your it, honor. It's your honor, which is a really important line, I think, as she learns to grow into herself mm-hmm. and. It's that whole idea of applying for college and there are no interviews available, so she has to look good on paper mm-hmm. versus performing her way out of something. And when he says it's your I'm honor, still learning that lesson. Oh. That I can't. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. I, so I actually... Just use my charm. I feel... Yeah. This movie makes me really happy. It also makes me really uncomfortable because I see Lady Bird and I see problems that I am still, still dealing with. Yeah, correct. Um... Especially her relationship with her mom, um, which, you know, I never was a teenage girl. I never was a girl with a mom. But as a gay boy with a dad who loved me but didn't quite understand me, mm-hmm. this really hit me right in the heart. Um, and I'm still, like, struggling to communicate in the ways that Marion and Lady Bird are in these ways. They just talk right past one another, even mm-hmm. though they're the exact same. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they're not the exact same person, but they have the same temperament. They have the same temperament. And they deal with situations in the same way, very similarly. Let's talk about class in Lady Bird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a big. Thing. I find it really interesting how, you know, I just want to say, uh, just let me say, um, <laughs> nice. I like that Marion castigates Lady Bird for thinking so class consciously about telling her boyfriend that she lives, she comes from the wrong side of the tracks and how hurtful that is to hear that. Um, and how she just shouldn't be considering things in that way. But then Marion is more often the one than anybody else who is pointing out how people are going to think that they're poor. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't fold up her clothes mm-hmm. that if she's not, you know, looking presentable, then the dads at you know, the other kids' dads at her school are not going to hire her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they they would have wanted to move to a bear house a mm-hmm. long time ago, but they yeah. didn't. And then that echoes later with Lady Bird's new best friend later in the film, who says that the fancy part of Sacramento is where her family had their starter home, mm-hmm. which is like in the place where Lady Bird wants to move. Her dream house. Yeah, right. is a starter. Mm-hmm. Right. And now they've people. moved to Granite Bay, yeah. which is where real wealth is. Real wealth. Are we ready to talk about... Lori Metcalf. I've been saving bringing that question up. <laughs> Greatest living actress, Lori Metcalf. If she doesn't win, I will jump off. Of well, look, she's, she's not going to win. Who? Because Allison Janney's going to win. And I love Allison Janney to death. 
CJ Craig, one of the all-time great characters on television, one of the all-time badass bitches. Mm-hmm. But it's a broad performance in I, Tanya. It, it borders on caricature. And it's that whole Alan Alda and Little Miss Sunshine thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this character is just barking obscenities yeah. left and right. And look how funny it is. I actually really like the Alan Alda performance. I think there's a little depth to it. But I think that's why he won the Oscar. Laurie sure. Metcalf doesn't really have like the Oscar scene. That especially is supporting yes, she does. role. It's that silent... Car cry. That's not an Oscar scene. Because yeah. she's not yelling. No, yeah, she's, she's not, not screaming. The Oscar. I mean, I agree with you, Ben. She doesn't have what a. Is the Oscar she doesn't scene? have a typical Oscar scene. But Beatrice I think Beatrice Strait in Network. <laughs> right. Just like all, yeah, all it takes is one screaming. Oscar scene, six minutes of Showtime and or screen time, and, and she an won because all she does in that movie is yell. In which one? Network. Network. Oh, Beatrice yeah, yeah. Strait. Yeah, yeah, Strait. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that Laurie Metcalf's Oscar scene, in my mind, not so much in the Academy's eyes is after Lady Bird is expelled from school for mm. telling the abortion... Suspended. Uh, suspended, sorry. Did I say expelled? Mm-hmm. Um, basically where she talks about how like she and her father do so much for her. Yeah. That's the scene. Yeah. A... yeah, it really breaks my heart. Yeah, And that scene is so beautifully directed that it all unfolds in like opposing wide shots for the most... Or like a yeah. wide shot and then a medium on Ladybird, and it doesn't mm-hmm. really get close until the end when she walks up with the pad of paper and says, give me a number, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to make a lot of money one day and pay you back so you never have to speak or hear from you again. Just the, the way that that scene builds is mirrored perfectly in the direction and in the editing. Yeah. My favorite detail from that scene is when it starts and she yells at the husband... What are you at? What are you at? The computer? <laughs> and then he's playing solitaire. <laughs> he's so good. Which, oh shit, what did I see? It's such oh. a perfect detail. And it's, it is uh, it is the best, but it is not the only funny solitaire reveal in one movie this year. So I just saw Loveless at AFI Fest, and there is a shot of someone playing solitaire nice. in the office. That's just a <laughs> wonderful little detail. I think my favorite visual gag in this movie uh-huh. is after she throws up in the dorm room and then there's just a quick cut of her like Being in the chair her back yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. getting it's taken so away good. by the paramedics yeah <laughs> i kind of fucked that guy for calling the for like calling 911 you know yeah that's crazy she would have been fine yeah that's such a like a a freshman thing in college yeah. to do like, she's like alcohol oh poisoning. my god she's oh my god. alcohol poisoning yeah she's gonna die and the nurse is just like what he wants to do she's drunk <laughs> yeah it's like well then there's that great scene where she sees the little kid with the um it's not an eye patch but he's got his eye all bandaged, bandaged. up mm-hmm. and he's with his mom and i think you can read that in a couple of ways but for me it's like her realizing that she had it pretty easy her whole life yes i think so too yeah and then and she goes to church because it reminds her of home. I think that just the church as a place of community is an interesting recurring idea in this movie. Even though Immaculate Heart is Immaculate Fart in her eyes, <laughs> she clearly um, has bound up a lot of her identity, a lot of affection yeah. for places like this. And it goes back to what Lois Smith's nun says about how love and attention are the same thing because she writes so beautifully about Sacramento and all these little details. And so when she goes to church, she's going home. It's so uh, sweet. And then she calls her mom. That scene. Dad, this this is more for mom. Mm. Again, editing, when she's driving and it's a perfect match. Yeah. The, the match cuts, that's one of the most moving things I've seen in the movies this year. It's, yeah, I I was dead at that point. It killed yeah. me. That that movie murdered me. It, it just makes me so, I, I said this earlier, but like profoundly sad but also like just thrilled that this movie exists and that Greta made it it just makes me feel alive 
It's just very exciting. Because the characters are so happy to be alive. Like, there's no... I feel like, especially just in general, movies have, like, sad people in them. And these people aren't sad. Well, there's... There's sadness Beanie in Feldstein them. is like, I well, am she's, sad. Well, she's built sad. Yeah. That's right. Um, but but Ladybird is... Ladybird is vigorously she alive. She has a zest for life, and yeah. she has conflict, but yeah. she's alive. Okay, so two things I want to jump off. Uh, one is that I actually think everybody's really sad in this movie. Um, in that there's this whole idea of depression in the movie about how like Lady Bird's dad is depressed mm-hmm. how Marion is is worried about money and is worried about the way that she comes across mm-hmm. and these are issues that characters in the teenage set of the film are also dealing with and I actually think there's a really like sly subtext to a lot of this movie about how we don't actually escape our problems and they follow us into adulthood that, that it's not like a measure of defeat and that it doesn't mean that life isn't worth living. Mm-hmm. But the reason why Marion is so hard on Ladybird is because I think that they see each other in one another in fundamental ways that you don't grow out of. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. The other thing is that I, just speaking about like Ladybird having such a joie de vivre and everything, I think this movie is really smart to not give her all the answers and not to make it such an inspirational film because there's this precocious teen at the center of it. Lady Bird is often the least smart person in a scene. She she has a lot of the best quips. She has a real street savviness. She's a very smart character. She's someone to look up to. But she also thinks that she knows everything and she actually doesn't know anything. And I think that, um, I think that a lot of teen movies make the mistake of having charismatic protagonists who don't really learn anything or they, they don't learn that they still have so much learning to do. Right. Um, and that's, yeah, precisely what she learns. Yeah. So while Lady Bird is certainly like a lightning rod um, for a lot of things, mm-hmm. like in her class, I don't, th- I mean, she, she is a hero, but she is a hero because over the course of the movie, she realizes all her mistakes. Um, and that's what makes her admirable, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the unapologetic crunchiness of this movie. That's the word that I keep thinking of. Oh, about in sort of the the, California hippie kind of way? No, but uh, just the... Yeah, what do you mean by crunchiness? Like that the characters are often not doing the most likable thing. Oh, yeah. And there's no... I love that. There are no apologies made. Yeah. And like, Laurie Metcalf says some really mean things. Mm Mm-hmm. And Saoirse Ronan throws it right back and says some legitimately mean things. But they get over it and they move on and mm-hmm. they continue being... And I think it's know, just really, it's very realistic. It yeah. is. It is. Because even when you're mudslinging at each other, friends, family, no matter mm-hmm. who, because you are so close to them and love them, whether they're friends or family, you get over it and you move on. And it's just right. Like, you said some mean shit, but... Yeah. And I, I love that too, that it just, it doesn't make a thing of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. They just... And, and there's, there's a micro example of that in the thrift store when they're like she's being all passive aggressive about dragging her feet or are you are you tired and why you're so passive aggressive you're so infuriating she holds up the dress do you love it they immediately go to her she's like oh my god yes. yeah and it's just like that's so an amazing that, scene. that's a micro version of yeah what yeah. you're and, and on the flip side of that so they go from arguing to harmoniously 
being together on that point. In the beginning of the movie, they are listening to The Grapes of Wrath on audiobook mm. in the car, and they're both bawling. They're both moved by it. And then it ends, and then Lady Bird turns on the radio, and Marion's like, can we just, like, sit for a second, like, and just appreciate what we just heard? And then all it takes is one comment, and then they're at each other's throats. Yeah. Like, the piece is just as tenuous as the brawl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, the ending of this movie reminds me, which only now is reminding me of a movie that has a far less sunny outlook on humanity and is actually very cynical and cold and cruel by design. But it makes me think about the ending of Young Adults in a way. Mm. Um, because she should have had, by the time like Mavis Gary makes it to the end of that film, she should have learned to be a better person. And then we there's sort of this idea that... Um, like our behavior is cyclical and you never really grow out of it. Mm-hmm. And in Lady Bird, she sends her mom that, or she leaves her mom that beautiful voicemail. But I have no doubt that as soon as she's home for Christmas, they're going to be fighting again. Sure. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, Absolutely. Ah, now I'm just thinking about young adult. <laughs> I was, I was trying to like not even be specific cause I didn't want to get into young adult too much, but, um, how I think that movie is. Yeah. <laughs> I how love that mean movie. that movie is. I love it too. Um, one of my favorite scenes is they're at the bridge, Lady Bird and the best friend. After prom, her name's Julie. Can we call her Julie? I'm sorry, I just, I'm so bad with character names. Beanie Feldstein. Yeah, Beanie Johnny Feldstein. Hill's sister, the new uh, Shirley and Warren. She's mm-hmm. incredible. Um, so I'll just call her Beanie Feldstein. So when it's Saoirse Ronan and Beanie, 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 Beanie. Um, they're at the bridge after prom, and. It's it's their farewell. It's it's mm. her saying, "Oh, I'm not going to be here this summer." And yeah, they've been together the past three summers, and and you find out that she's leaving for the summer because it's her only chance to get away because she's staying. She's and, going and to she school is a in Sacramento. Star, yeah, pupil. She's brilliant, and she can't get into a school that's somewhere else. And meanwhile, can't lady- afford it. She probably it. didn't even apply. Right. Because right. It, cause she, yeah. Yeah, because there are those kids. That's a very California thing, yeah. especially, is to go to City College. Well, that's why um, it seems so radical that Lady Bird wanted to go to the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. What I also like about that scene is there's not a follow-up with those. That's like the last time we see those two characters together. Mm-hmm. So neither of them, they end the scene thinking that Lady Bird's going to Davis and they're going to see each other every day. It's not until later that you find out she gets off the wait list and moves to New York. Right. Yeah. So it's even more gutting that you realize, oh my God. It, yeah, but it's gutting in a way that is very recognizable to anybody who ever left yeah. their hometown. Yeah. Whether for college or just to move. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that scene resonated hard. Because there are those kids that are like star pupils, but whether it's... That's the last moment those two characters will ever be together in this way. Mm-hmm. Um from here on out, they're only going to be seeing each other at Christmas and the summer for the next right. four years. And then they'll probably see each other once every few... I mean, well, I guess if her parents are still in Sacramento, they'll see each other about once right. a year. But and they, they don't know that this is the most time they're ever going to spend right. together. Yeah. And the, and it's so relatable for anyone who leaves home. Mm-hmm. You have those friends that that's, that's, that's the last... Like you said, that's the last time they're going to spend quality time together mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um. I love the prom scene. Mm. 
With them dancing. Oh yeah. Oh, the photos. What I love about the dancing. I love. I love the. the I love the detail when they're dancing, and then we see the nun in the background, like eyeing them very suspiciously. Two girls dancing together like they're lesbians. It's just like, search is so good. Just. Is she the greatest actress of her generation? Yes. I say yes. I mean, she's only twenty-three. I don't know who that age group is. So. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence is only like four years older than her. Right. I would. Give her the edge. I would too. She's. Um, I would too. Leia Seydoux, but she might be. Leia Seydoux might be thirty. I don't know. I think she is pretty old. Yeah, I think she's, she's like upper twenties, maybe or thirty yeah. or something. Is Tessa Tessa Thompson really only twenty three? Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, she's so. She's good. about to be the youngest three time Oscar nominee in history. Yeah, and she deserves it. She does. Brooklyn. The reason that movie is so good is. In large part. In Brooklyn. Yeah. I really love the just the melodrama of it, but the movie's carried on her face. It's yeah. like she's getting she knows she's leaving Ireland, they go to the dance, and she like sneaks out and she takes one last like glance and yeah, it's just she knows like it'll be the last time. There it is a very ladybird scene and it's just like yeah. you see all of the emotions about leaving home on her face and that moment is when I fell in love with that movie. And mm-hmm. then Oh my god. And then the end of the movie when she's on the boat back to Ellis Island mm. and the young immigrant girl seems very nervous and she's like, I'll show you the ropes. Oh, yeah. And she's inviting someone into home. Mm-hmm. God damn it. I need to rewatch Brooklyn's that. Brooklyn's getting emotional. Movie. Brooklyn makes me cry too. Well, and Brooklyn falls into this category of young women learning to grow into themselves yeah. that make me cry so much. Mm-hmm. Halfway yeah. through Brooklyn, when she's writing a letter to her mom, and it's over this montage of her at the department store and in her boarding house. Just fucking kills oh, me. Can we talk about the letter in Lady Bird? Jesus Christ. Any other movie, Laurie Metcalf would have been able to write the perfect goodbye letter, and then we would hear it, in, hear voiceover, it in voiceover yes. done by Laurie Metcalf. But we just get these shards that her dad snuck into her bag mm-hmm. of the trash and Laurie Metcalf never finished it and we don't hear any voiceover. There's nope. just and shots she, on a few individual pages. And she never pages. finished it because she was worried that Lady Bird was going to judge her. Yeah. It's which so is so heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. It's so and honest. True. Yeah, very honest. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. I love this shot of her ripping, like earlier, just like a couple minutes earlier in the movie when she's ripping out the pieces of yellow paper mm. off the pad. Yeah, and you don't know up. what she's yeah. doing in that moment. And she's I thought trying... she was like crunching numbers financially, and but you don't did know. You guys, did you guys... So the shots linger on the half-written notes long enough that you can sort of see the different yes. versions of what she's doing. And yes. the one that starts with like, I know that we fight all the time and I wish that we knew how to communicate with one another. Jesus Christ, like, it is just so true. Like, as someone who has that exact relationship with a parent, mm-hmm. like, it just breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, not, that, not that their relationship is irreparable. Right. But just the fact that they they love each other so much, but they don't understand who the other person is. They, mm-hmm. they see someone and they don't know how to make sense of their actions or behavior. Yeah. And they take everything they do so personally. I think it's a, it's a really smart point that when Lady Bird asks, do you like me? Her mom is like, "Of course, I love you." Yeah, and she's yeah. like, "She doesn't say no, but do you like me?" Yeah, but like that's the that's subtext. The subtext. Yeah. yeah, and it's a different question, and it's very hard. It speaks to what a steely character Marion is that she doesn't go out of her way to call a ladybird in that no. moment. But yeah, she stays up late and 
fixes the dress from the thrift store yeah. before she goes to the Thanksgiving. She also... That she doesn't even want Lady Bird to go to in the first place. And she, and she, and she just, also circles back at the airport yeah. to drop off Lady Bird to go to the college. She doesn't want her to go in the first place. And she thinks that she's going to see her when yeah. she makes it back. And her face and just Hulk lights up. That, that... Oh, my God. Yeah, the, the, the airport loop is... Probably one of the best scenes we'll see this year. Laurie um, told Greta, like, you have maybe two shots at this. I can't do it more than that. Really? Wow. Just like so emotional. Mm-hmm. When she comes back and she thinks she's going to see Lady Bird and she's already through the gates and hugs the dad, like, and the dad says, she'll be back. Mm-hmm. She'll be back. And and that's the last time we see mm-hmm. Laurie Metcalf's character, like, yeah. Or Tracy well, Letts, who is also amazing. Who's also amazing in this film. Um, oh, fuck. Oh, oh fuck. yeah. That's when a good fucking, one. Uh, <laughs> Lucas Hedges. Lucas Hedges. Is it Danny? Danny. Danny. Danny asks about the wait list. Oh, the other emotional moment is, um, I mean, there's so many, but another one is uh, behind the, the coffee shop by the dumpster oh, when, he, oh, when he comes out, or not comes out, but... I won't tell. And he just breaks down. Mm-hmm. That's we all know that high school kid too. Yeah. yeah, I think we all were that high school kid on some level. Yeah, moment of silence for Danny's like shell necklace that everybody. I love the spe- specificity. Specificity of two thousand two. Of two thousand two. And the baggy the cargo khakis. Pants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Baggy khakis. Baggy khakis. The puka shell. Puka shell necklace. The yeah. um, not even. It wasn't even puka shell. It was those very. I can't. They, they look like shark shards. Teeth. Yeah. Everyone sh- called it puka shell mm. necklace. Um. In my life. And like the Never Forget poster and then the, oh the, the, the war mm-hmm. in the background. Yeah. Which also gets brought up in conversation after they have sex. She's like, yeah. not everything's war. Things, two things can be said. said at the same time. Yeah. I That's love that line. line. Yeah. In the loss of virginity scene, I was, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, it's so weird she's on top. And then it's a line. Who the fuck is on top their first time? Who the fuck is on top their first time? I loved it. Brilliant. That I love. I love the Kyle character. I do too. He's so obnoxious. I was in love with a I Kyle love him so much. My senior year of high school, <laughs> and oh so my like God. this movie is like really hard for me to watch. Holy shit! I wasn't in love with a Kyle. And, like reading the literature that they're reading, yeah. and you and they're like this like nihilistic. Ass hat, and you don't see that they're an ass hat. Yeah, there's but you're just glass in that. There's fiberglass <laughs> in that. And 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 yeah, Timothy does. He's so good as that role. What you do is very anarchist, very baller. <laughs> I really think he was born to play Michael Stipe in the REM movie. Oh. He looks just like him. He sounds just like him in this. Is that your display name now? Now it is very anarchist, very baller. Nice. I was going to change mine to Daniel quotations Julie. I just feel like there are so many like little moments we could talk about for so long. Great, let's do it. <sighs> When um, we see the scene where Lady Bird comforts Danny because he's ashamed of being gay, and we go immediately into Marion is comforting the priest Mm -hmm. who is Mm -hmm. depressed, Mm -hmm. and I think they've just had this conversation of, your mom is scary and warm, Mm -hmm. and Lady Bird's like, you can't be both, and he's like, I think you can, your mom is. And then we see that, and in action. Yeah. That also happens in a lot of the same scenes as her 
being scary to Ladybird, judging mm-hmm. Ladybird, like in the thrift store, for instance, and then she sees the woman uh, that she knows, mm-hmm. her friend, and is like, "How's the baby?" Yeah, yeah. And she buys her coworker a baby outfit yeah. for the newborn. Yeah, yeah. The way she turns it on. For See, people and who she are is not just her paying but, attention. Yeah, but I don't think she turns it on for people who aren't her daughter. I think that's her. Yeah. I think that's actually who she is. It's more that Ladybird brings out this other side of her. Yeah. Because she seems really funny and warm and lovely to be around. Certainly mm-hmm. a woman with firmly held values and opinions. And mm-hmm. if you tread on her, she's going to, you know, bite you in the ankle. But Ladybird is the only character in the film who she treats with any level of consternation. And that's because ladybird brings her daughter it's her daughter and she doesn't know who this person is who is speaking to her i also love throughout the film ladybird says well yeah my mother is because she loves me yeah and then moments later she'll be like mother hates me you know Mm -hmm. and and it's just so true it's both yeah there's a lot of truth and contradictions like that yeah and i love that um there really is never like yes she does say my mother hates me but i feel like she never thinks her mom doesn't love her which right. i think is really until the end when, when, she, right. when her mom refuses that. to speak to her yes. after she finds out that she's on the wait list and yes. didn't tell her but until that point it is like right i just i earlier in the movie when she says to her dad that she just wants to have the whole conversation around east coast schools with him because mm-hmm. she wants to delay this fight that she knows is going to happen with her mom but just mm-hmm. want, doesn't want to happen until they have to mm-hmm. and then they don't even have a fight her mom just refuses to speak to her which is another example of ladybird really not knowing much about her surroundings right and the world at all just well she obviously knows sacramento very well she writes about it with loving detail but she doesn't know about the world as much as she thinks she does mm-hmm. yeah that cold shoulder scene when Oh, it's that, really hard to that, watch. That yeah. scene is really hard to watch because Ladybird, who is so smart and a go-getter, and is she? Ha- what? I don't think she is a go-getter. She applied to these East Coast schools. I think she makes some things happen. She made that happen for herself. She's one hundred percent a go-getter. I think. I, I. That's not what I would call a. Go-getter. She asks the boys out. She. She. Well, yeah. She, she runs out. up right up to Danny in the grocery store. She makes things happen for herself okay. which so maybe that's not a go-getter maybe is she she creates she has, her opportunity yeah she has i guess that's what a go-getter is but go-getter to me just connotes with like a plus students so that's oh why yeah go-getter right. makes it seem like she's a good at two shoes which she's not um but she yeah she makes moves for herself she has full control of her life and knows what she wants and knows she is capable of more and will yeah. will aspire to more but this idea of her having control over her life again what i love so much about the character is that she realizes that while she does create her own opportunities and stands for what she believes in it's only because her parents gave her these opportunities you know like she is on their shoulders the entire movie but is acting as if she's walking herself and that's what pisses marion off so much right right and it's a lesson she doesn't learn until the last scene of the movie really right um and again, I just think that it would be a mistake for this movie to evangelize her as this beacon of preternatural wisdom. Right. You know? No, and she's not. And yeah. And I think and it's one of the smartest things that the script does. Yeah. But the... It speaks to how charismatic Sersha is that we all love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we, even we when, worship her. Even when she's doing things like throwing out her math grade book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, which is not good. Um, but the... So the, the cold shoulder scene, Ladybird 
to get on her mother's level, to try to get the mom to pay attention to her, she's just like talking herself down so much. Uh-huh. I'm horrible. I'm the worst. I'm terrible. And it's just like, it hurts because she's not. You know, it's just like. It really hurts. Yeah, no, she's not horrible, but she has completely trampled over her mother yeah. by doing this. And and she knew that she was doing it. That's why she told her dad, I'm not going to tell her until we have to. Yeah. Like, Lady Bird is not perfect. Lady Bird is, uh, Lady Bird is selfish a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't think about other people. She's looking out for number one. Yeah. Um, Julie is right when she says you can't do anything yeah. if you're not the oh, same as, attention. As, gay, totally as right. gay men, we love all of those things about her. <laughs> you know? Correct. But like I said earlier, like Lady Bird is often the least smart person in the room mm-hmm. and certainly the most selfish. Um, she's not someone to look up to in certain ways. Totally. Um, like that abortion comment. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fucking it's hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> she should, yeah, it's very weird. She should not have said it. That one great of... actress from The Comeback is playing, uh, the woman who plays yeah. the, the one female writer in The Comeback is oh, the abortion speaker. Oh. She's on the latest episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which you haven't seen yet, but oh. yeah. She's, she's, she's on Enlightened. I know and she's her. On Enlightened. She's I know her most from Enlightened. That's what I recognize her from. And she hates that What's-His-Face uses foul language in the office Yes. Enlightened. The, yes. The manager. I forget his name. Oh, Dougie. Yeah. Dougie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that actress. She's And she's great in this scene. That little girl was me. Can I say one of the most painful moments of this movie for me? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's when her mom isn't there when she leaves for prom. And it's just like, it's just like done in passing. That Tracy Letts is like, let's get a picture of her mom because she had to work a double. I'm just like, that is, that is so hard for me. And you know how much she wanted to be yeah. there. When, when Lady Bird doesn't show up for Thanksgiving and then she's chatting with, what's the girlfriend's name? Shelly? Oh, yeah. Because there's that it scene where Shelley. she's like, Shelly, what? My name is Shelly. <laughs> Shelly talks about how much her mom missed Lady Bird at dinner. Yes. One of the most... And then uh, they go get high. Yeah, so yeah. one of the most painful scenes for me comes shortly after that when they come home from prom and they're all eating their microwave stuff and just high and having a good time. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and Marion is exceptionally chill about it. Yeah. Well, oh, so this scene comes after, not after prom, but after Thanksgiving. It's still Thanksgiving. And they smoke weed after Thanksgiving. Yeah, so after Thanksgiving, they're eating all the microwave meals in the kitchen. They're all high and having fun. Marion walks in, and she says that line, we miss you, Ladybird. Mm-hmm. It's like the oh, first time she says Ladybird like that. It's so yeah. loving, and she she missed her so much. Yeah. And it's so, it's just so sad. I don't know, it's just like... Lady Bird doesn't see that. She yeah. doesn't see that her mother actually missed her. And But then she brings it up later. She's like, oh, yeah, my mom was, you know, I have to be home for Christmas because my mom was pissed I missed things. Yeah, she's looking at it as a problem, not right. as Correct. attention, not, not as love. Atten- sometimes attention is love. Wow. Marion really reminded me of my mom, and I'm sure everyone feels this way, yeah. but specifically because my mom never sugarcoated anything. Mm-hmm. And my mom would be like, your dad lost his job. If you don't fold your clothes, we're going to look like we're poor. Mm -hmm. We don't have the money to treat our clothes this way. My mom would say that. Mm -hmm. And it just, I think a lot of people experience that with their parents. Like they hit a point where their parents are just very frank with them before they're out of high school. And they don't get this sheltered sugar coated version that the, the popular friend is probably getting. Right. Oh, I yeah, forget no what her consequences. Name is. Oh, when she says, "Oh, you can drink whatever you want." My parents are upstairs, upstairs, but they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. It's 
And like we I, all, I, I, I knew I, that girl I went to too. One of those parties. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. I, I never did. I wasn't cool enough. I wasn't one of the popular kids, but like I was adjacent I enough think, that I, think I we got were probably similar kids invitations. In high yeah, I was, I was not... in homecoming court. I was not the king, but I was. In I'm it. so jealous. You guys are so cool. I was a lame ass marching band nerd. No, I was just like I hung out with like quiet kids, and then and who then but got invited to the parent alcohol party. Yeah, because like I would like, you... do a, I would do like a group project with somebody, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're actually chill," so. You might as well come. You got the, yeah, the, yeah, the invite. Yeah, I was like, I was friends with the popular kids on an individual basis, right. but like not Never as a group. As a group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I would have like select ones because. You had your ins. Yes. I had my ins. I was part of a yearbook, which there was a few select mm. Of course cool there kids. were. Of course there were. So that was my entryway. Everyone in yearbook was popular in my high school. That was like one, that was like the popular. Yeah, the popular kids always write history. Yearbook. Yeah. Because yearbook, you just like sit around on beanbags and pretend like you're formatting a page, but you're just fucking sitting on beanbags. Mm-hmm. I love when Beanie Julie is like, I have to go to history, and Lady Bird's like, I think we're, we're done, done with, with the, the learning, learning portion, portion of, of high school. school. That's so <laughs> relatable. By junior year, we're like, all right, we're done. Yeah, it's so good. It's over. We're done learning. There's nothing. Every left. line in this is so good. And I heard Greta say that she does not like improv, and so <laughs> she just straight up said, I don't do improv. But I want everyone to be, like, free with their emotions, which is a very Cassavetti's thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. these are the words, but, like, feel whatever you want to feel. Interpret how you want. Mm-hmm. And I think Interesting. it works really well for Greta. She's clearly a very generous director. And yeah. And comes across mm-hmm. in the work. Have you seen that still of her on set of Lady Bird? And she has that paper name tag that says Greta Hello, Girl. my name is Greta. Mm-hmm. It says, like that. So it's actually my phone background. Let me <laughs> um, So it says Greta, and it says... In smaller font, she wrote it. She didn't start the fire. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, so that's... Uh, she's just so cool on set. Look at her. I just want to bring up... hands on her hips. The Dave Matthews Band. And the girls that love the Dave Matthews Band. Is because it, yeah. all of my friends in high school were the Dave Matthews Band girls. I love that overhead shot in the car of mm-hmm. Julie and Lady Bird crying to crash you after mm. she's witnessed Danny making out with the boy in the bathroom. It is both very sad and very funny. It's very funny and yeah. so relatable. Well, you yeah. want you think Your about first heartbreak. you think about Julie, who is actually seeming to be more upset in the moment than Ladybird is. Yeah, yeah. And is she just taking this as an opportunity to cry, or is she trying to be, <laughs> or, is she, or is she trying to be such a good friend to Ladybird that she's internalized her sorrow? And I think it's both. Like Julie. Oh well, I think it's implied that Julie kind of likes Danny too. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, there's that great moment. And Ladybird just. She, when she, when she gets, uh, when, she, when Julie's cast is the lead in the play and yeah. Lady Bird says, like, now I'll never get to kiss Danny. And Julie's like, it's honestly, like, my only shot. Yeah. I love mm. that line. When when she's crying, um, when Lady Bird goes to Julie after uh, she decides, I want to go to prom, drop me off at Julie's to Kyle. She goes there and the mom walks her in. Of course, she lives in an apartment. She says, right. take me to Julie's house. And then it's an apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Julie's crying and we it's never said why. why and i think that's so well she's at home on prom night she's yeah. at home on prom night but you know there probably was a specific reason and i feel like there's also you know there there's moments in high school where you're just maybe this is just me but you were just you, you're, you're just, just fucking crying. sad yeah and you're just crying you, you have don't, a lot of hormones mm-hmm. yeah and you just don't know and i just love that it's not explained yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be explained. doesn't need to be, yeah. Um, I also love 
so I also love is the new I want to say, by the way, on this podcast. <laughs> um, but I also love after Lady Bird sits down with Julia and they sort of reconnect that it's a cut to them eating the cheese and crackers in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. So great. And it's just, never, we don't have to like see them no, warm back up to each other. No, I love we're it. in the middle of an inside joke that we don't really understand the context They're for. Just dancing with crackers. And cheese. Like, it, <laughs> There are different sizes of boxes of cheese. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, what? That's just really beautiful. another another example of that where it just cuts mid conversation when they're walking into school and Lady Bird just says, "You don't have to see a penis." What does she say? You know what I'm talking? She says, "I can't think of what you're." It, it, oh, she's talking. She's trying to justify Danny's uh, disinterest in having sex with her. Oh, yes, yes. Doesn't she say it's normal not to see yeah. a penis or touch it's a penis? It's normal not to see a penis, but it's so just like you're dropped in, totally yeah. out of context. And then the next line is like, "All right, I'm skipping. All right, we have to get to history." Yeah, and it's just like it's I just so love good. that you drop in on that line. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's great. great. Um, Editing. I feel like all I've done is gush this episode. That's fine. So I want to say something a little smarter to save my ego. Oh, you've been saying a lot of very insightful things. Thank you. Um, that I also thought a lot about Tarkovsky while watching this movie. Okay. In- <laughs> <laughs> oh. Because I think there's a lot of, like, like memory dream. Like, it's not as, like, explicitly surreal as a Tarkovsky. I'm thinking of Mirror specifically, but it, like functions on the level of like the way that we dream almost Mm -hmm. in like it's almost free associative it just happens to be in chronological order but Mm -hmm. like it is the type of movie that doesn't have to be yeah i completely agree and i think it goes back to what you were saying about it being a memory poem yeah and i don't really think i managed to say what i wanted to say but it speaks to how the movie operates on an emotional logic more than a strict narrative yeah. sense. Right. It's run by emotion, not yeah, plot. Well, just a, an affection you have for the characters, which is hard to build. Um, it's the acting, but it's also the writing and it's the direction as well. Okay. And um, like when we see the the match cuts of Lady Bird and Marion driving at the end and when she's leaving the voicemail, it's like, when in time is this happening? Is right. each of them driving? And I like to believe that this is immediately after Marion has listened to the voicemail because she has a really pleasant expression oh, on her really face. I really love that. And there's no reason for that, but that's just where I came to. Oh, God, ben. I think that's really I'm gonna cry. nice. But it could I'm also just be... I'm Mike. That's really beautiful. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't think of that either, that that could have been I thought it was just a flash... I mean, I honestly... It... I very cynically thought it was just footage they already had. Right, oh, I'm sure it is, but... Just a flashback to when we see her driving the first time. Yeah. But, yeah, thinking of it, it could be her listening to the voicemail. Fuck. I mean, we keep talking about the impact that Marion and Lady Bird have on one another, but a lot of this movie is built on the way that people invest in other people and are disappointed or use those relationships to get better. So you mm-hmm. see that in how Julie is betrayed by Lady Bird and how Lady Bird takes advantage of her. You have that with Lady Bird and Danny, where Danny becomes her life, and then she finds out he's gay, and then it breaks her for a minute, and then they reconnect, and then then she is there for him Mm -hmm. in a protective sort of way. Um, And then it's clear that they remain friends, because he's like, about the wait list. They're best, to this day, they're best friends. Yeah, I love that moment where he just pops back in. Isn't Lady Bird kind of the girl in high school that obviously had a gay boyfriend? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so, oh my so god. I had a friend in high school 
who like had the girl a... who's too cool for school mm-hmm. always has a gay boyfriend. Oh my god. Because we love them so much. <laughs> Wait. I want to be near you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to touch you. Right. But I want to hear you. It's amazing. I think I was friends with a ladybird type. Wow. My friend Molly was too cool for school, and she had a gay boyfriend <laughs> named Kyle. Who I was in love with, oh, oh, wow. and I came out to her in high school, sophomore year of high school. I came out to her by saying, I have a crush on your boyfriend, <gasps> and he's gay. And he wasn't out. Wow. I just knew he was gay. And I said that to her. I was like, your boyfriend's gay, and I'm in love with him. Wow. I said that to a couple in front of me at AFI Fest the other day. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> because her boyfriend was clearly gay. And oh, isn't that very sad hot. when you see, wow. ooh, hot too. Yeah, so, holy shit, I'm just having, like, an epiphany on mic right now. Wow. wow. That's amazing. How fun. I love an epiphany. So interesting. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Well, life. Mm. He didn't love me back. My prom night was... Well, that's also life. Yeah. My prom night was watching uh, watching Kyle, who then realized he was gay, um, senior year, obviously. Mm. I pined for him for, what, three years? And then I watched him as he... At his house, we might, went back to his place. Everyone was drinking. I was a goody two shoes. I didn't want to drink. I didn't drink till college. Um, <laughs> and he, Kyle, went upstairs to fool around with the only other out gay guy at the high school who was fucking hot. And he came downstairs, and his shorts were on backwards. So you knew that his pants were you off. out. I was out. Okay, well then that's a reward in and of itself to be out in high school. Yeah. Were you a gentleman not? I came I out, out the day after my high school graduation. <laughs> I was out in oh, high I school. Was, it was like days before my 20th birthday. Really? So. Well, I didn't come out to like my all my family until mm. I was like 19. But I came out to my best friend in high school like the day after. I was in deep denial for a while. Really? I love coming out stories. They're so traumatic, yeah. but also thrilling. I want to like be more specific <laughs> about mine, but I don't want to incriminate anybody. Sorry, yeah, I'm just calling closet. people by their name. Yeah. Oh, no, that's fine. Hey, call them by their name. That's uh, ah, a phenomenon, nice. haven't you heard? Yeah. Nice promo. God, okay, so... Um, we have a theme to talk about. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Good, I'm glad you I don't want to talk about the theme. I don't want to really talk about... Warren Beatty's Heaven Can Wait. It doesn't matter. Or Tom McCarthy's Spotlight. Bring up our our theme. We were supposed to talk about actors turned filmmakers. Um, because Greta Gerwig is that. I, I I do want to circle back to discussing Greta Gerwig and her working with Noah Baumbach on Mistress America and Francis Ha, mm-hmm. and how that I don't know this for fact, but that must I must imagine that shaped. For her sure. creation of Lady Bird. I'm sure. Right? Yeah. I, I think it has less to do with Noah Baumbach. Of course. Than it does having the opportunity to write two just, feature films that end up being made. Right. Right. And to be on set with those movies. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Being on set. And to control so much of the tone as a performer. I think yeah. that Greta Gerwig is in the same class as Isabelle Luper with actor as auteur. With the very specific energy they bring to their roles that they shape the movie just as much as the director. When I mm-hmm. think of Francis Hawk. That feels like a Greta Gerwig movie. Mm-hmm. And Mistress America, too. That zaniness. It's it's Noah Baumbach, too, but Greta is in both of those movies. Her, there's also... Her, there's I like mean, a, she wrote it. There's so a lack of discipline of in Mistress America that I just am 
prone to attribute to Noah Baumbach, mm-hmm. like seeing his other movies that she's not involved in, mm-hmm. that I think there's like a rigor in Francis Ha and in Lady Bird that I don't see in any of Noah's other movies. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Shaggier. Yeah. But I also think that there's an earnesty in the projects that Greta has her fingerprints on, including mm-hmm. this one, that is later checked as the film goes on. Um, like the first time I saw Francis Ha, I was like, oh my God, look how effervescent she is. Mm-hmm. Like this girl is in full control of her life and she's having a ball. I love her. And then I watch it every year and since then... You know, over the years, I realized, like, oh no, she's like a fucking mess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just this idea of the characters saying exactly how they feel and that being celebratory, just mm-hmm. the transparentness and the open heartedness. But they still commit transgressions and do things that are not reflecting of, like, reflective of their best selves, which yeah. the movie then checks them on, not in a judging way, but in a way that encourages them to grow. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful. And yeah. I don't think you really see that in a lot of other Bombbox movies, even though I think that, whatever. Actually, I think that Bombbox movies are really smart about the way that people relate to one another, mm-hmm. but I don't want to talk about him. I want to talk about her. Yeah. I Did... love, yes, at the end of Mistress America, the speech that Greta gives about, like, I think I'm sick and I don't know what it is. And I don't know how to work in the world, and I yes. just sit all day and yes. watch TV. And sometimes I get really excited about an idea, and I can't sleep. And I'm, it's there's moments of wisdom in that movie that knock you for a loop. In the words of Peter Travers, <laughs> there it is again. <sighs> yeah, fuck. I need to rewatch Mistress America. Mm-hmm. Um, did we all know? This is just a trivia, a fun bit of trivia. We'll have the trivia um, that. In Frances Ha, when she goes back to Sacramento, that is Greta Gerwig's mom, who plays Frances Ha's mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I love that moment. You didn't know that? No. That's yeah. So that's Great. a fun fact. And the line where she's like, she she has this like red pan, mm-hmm. and she's like, well, I saw red, and I just thought I had to have it. That line is, <laughs> is improvised by her mom, oh, which cute. I think is so cute and fun. Which is not something that Marion would say, going back yeah. to how right. So this movie is not as autobiographical as um, we might as we assume. Mm-hmm. Even though I really do think there is so much of Greta in it, but that is true with every writer, <laughs> director. Like yeah. any movie they write has elements them of in them. Yes. yes, but yeah, it's, it's refreshing to know that it's not autobiographical, and she has said that. That's very interesting. She said that filming in Sacramento like people would be like walking on the street and like I have something to give your brother <laughs> like, <laughs> like you would just see her <laughs> I have this like scroll of um, Greta Gerwig articles just bookmarked to yeah. read and I just haven't read them yet because I was waiting to see Lady Bird but now I've seen it twice so I should read those I've read a lot articles. of articles yeah. on I'm her really lately. excited to see what she does to, next yeah, because all of her work is questioning ideas of identity and self-discovery and so I imagine whatever she writes next will be about someone at a formative juncture in their life because yes. Frances Ha is at a decisive point the character of Mistress America sort of pointing out how she's just a flounderer and a waffler who didn't make a decision mm-hmm. um, even if she has a lot to offer she is now performing like she did the right things even though she never actually did right. and then obviously Lady Bird is about a high school senior before she takes the leap yeah. down to college. Yeah, for, for me personally, Greta is just the most exciting filmmaker working today. I know that's super late to say. Hey, look, but I'm, I'm willing to put it on the, the record. Is I, fantastic. I think this is the most exciting debut from a writer-director since Orson Welles did Citizen Kane. There it is. There it is. I mean, it's just so good. <laughs> it's just... 
beyond. It, we've been talking for an hour, and I honestly feel like we've scratched the surface. I know. It's almost like I don't even know what to say. It's it's hard to put into words because it is such an emotional experience. It's it's been a very long time since a movie has ruined me the way Ladybird did. When I walked out of it the first time, I was a sobbing mess and I I got in my car and I was like, "Okay, I'm done crying." And I just kept crying. And I can't place my finger on what it is. I think it's just I'm so inspired by her. It is it is I can't put it on. I think it just it's, really touches on... It touches on so many things. Everything, like, I feel like everyone comes out of it talking about their own high school experience. Yes. It taps into your own it taps memories. Into everyone's memories, and it just, like, makes you think about things you haven't thought about in years. Yeah. Yes. I think, I think like, that's what it is. I think when the yeah. cinema she creates is just, like, a symphony of grace notes, all you want to do is just, like, wash back and how good it made you feel and how recognized it made you feel. Yes. But I wonder why it made me feel so sad. I mean, it's sad. <laughs> it's a very sad movie because it has it a lot of hard truths in it. But it's also hilarious, which... And I like the way it, it flickers between the two. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's moments where it's like a string of, like, funny, great one-liners. Don't be a Republican about it. Or don't be such a Republican. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then like, for example, when uh, Kyle comes out to her and then they embrace... Danny. And, sorry, Danny. Um... And I wish Luke, Kyle would come out. Woo! Well, that would be a hat. Mm. Is he? Yeah. Anyway. He's totally straight. <laughs> um, which then flows into the um, the uh, theater director. Yeah. Going and it, and it it goes into its sad beat. Yeah. You know, for a few beats, and then it it ebbs and flows with comedy and pathos. But it's never, even though it doesn't deny the harder moments that come in life. It is hopeful all the time. Like yes. The scene when Danny is coming out it, and they're fighting a little bit and then it ends with them hugging and Lady Bird saying that it's going to be okay. Yeah. And that she won't tell anybody. And then when we see them again, as we were saying earlier, when she, when he uh, spoils the surprise that she's on the wait list at some New York school, we haven't seen what they've been up to yeah. since then. But I think it's clear that they've been sharing a lot of laughs in free period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In between those moments. Yeah. And that they probably are closer now than they were when they were together. When they right. were ostensibly in love. Right. And oh my god. And then when she goes to college and she leans out the window at that party and yells, Says Bruce! Bruce! I didn't catch that the first time. I did. But then the second time I was like, oh. It's not so sweet. Yeah. The guy's like, my name's not Bruce. Or yeah. Whatever. It's so great. Um, I just want to bring up... <laughs> I just want to bring up. The way up. that she says my name is Christine. Well, I do want to talk about that. Do talk about that. But. I want to, yeah. Um, Norman, the great Norman Lear, who is one of my heroes, talks about he never likes to end on a, he likes to go as far as you can with the pathos and then undercut it with the joke because that underlines our common humanity. That's like his whole MO as a writer. Mm-hmm. And I think especially the, I mean, the, the thrift store scene is the most, uh, exemplary moment in the film of that mm-hmm. where we get like they're fighting but then there is this joke of they're now fawning over the dress together yeah and it's just a really i just think it that like warmth brings everyone together mm-hmm. and loves to love this movie yeah mm-hmm. should we talk about i'm christine yes please oh boy um so she goes away to school she's at a party um, she asks the guy what his name is, and then probably like Brant or something. Yeah, Who knows? Possibly, like quietly, one of my favorite lines in the movie that 
is oh, um no. people people won't believe in God, but they'll go by the names our parents gave them. Yeah. And then he says, "What's your name?" And she like takes a moment, and then she like flicks her eyes like at him, Christine, and she's like, "I'm Christine," which is the first time in the movie that she's yeah. referred herself as Christine. It is brilliant. It's brilliant, and I don't know if. I'm, I'm guessing Greta is an open enough director that, like, she's not going to say, like, take a beat here before you say anything. Yeah, and that, Saoirse's a good enough actress and to that it was, And it's just... That was a, Saoirse. A brilliant command of her body as an actor and, like, what this, like, tiny eye flick and the way that Greta is able to frame it so that you catch the eye flick in the proper frame to, like, make it resonant. Right. Um... And I just think it is a nice bow on the whole movie and what she's, how far she's come Mm -hmm. and how she's growing as a person. I agree. I think that's a great place to... Can I talk about Sacramento? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. As the native Californian on the podcast. Um, I grew up in Santa Rosa, which is not near Sacramento, but um, my dad's parents live like an hour north of Sacramento. And so I like feel a kinship to the valleys of California and the agricultural. My dad works at a grocery store in produce. He doesn't anymore, but that was like his career. And my both of my grandfathers were big in agriculture. And it. Um, my parents moved outside to a suburb of Sacramento about two years ago to be closer to my grandparents. And I was living at home with them post a job in New York and trying to move back to LA and I moved from Santa Rosa to Sacramento with them and I remember driving in Sacramento for the first time and I like I remember like Sacramento is like this beautiful oasis in the desert it's not the desert but it's garbage most of (laughs) most of the middle of California when she says it's the midwest of California I thought to myself oh that's why I recognize so much yeah I grew up in southern Ohio but Sacramento itself is like there are trees and the American River and the Sacramento River and there are all of these bridges and it's actually really quite beautiful Mm -hmm. and I just really love that this is a love letter to northern California and I love California despite the Joan Didion title card at the beginning about so great, and I mean, people I'll, who uh, think about California hedonism have never been to Sacramento. For I will talk life. shit about like how there's nothing to do, but then it's like there are these shots at the end of like the Tower Theater and the Crest Theater. And I'm like, oh yeah. my god, I miss these when places. You, when you don't have anything to do, that's oftentimes when you make the most fun and the most meaningful yeah. memories, mm-hmm. right? When you have to create the world for yourself, which is probably why Lady Bird is able to write so affectionately about Sacramento, is because there weren't any other distractions. She totally. You know, had, had to be had in the world. Subliminally fall in love with the city that she lives in. And especially after you leave home, you romanticize home. Yeah. I don't. Oh, you don't? Well, I'm from Livonia, Michigan, which was, <laughs> it might still be, but for a while it was known as the whitest city in America. Mm-hmm. And it is an actual square. It is square in both <laughs> literal and figurative sense. Does it have much to do with the square? The palms are over there? <laughs> no. Um, no, I do love, I do love it. I mean, I, I love my friends who are still there, obviously, mm-hmm. but the, the city, there's, you know, not much to do. Yeah. yeah. I don't really have a home anymore because the small town that I grew up in, which was also not just like predominantly white, but poisonously whites. I mean, I witnessed mm-hmm. a lot of really uncomfortable attitudes, uh, in that town. Um, 
Brock Turner, the Stanford rapist mm. from my town. Um, oh wow! Yeah, but the the city that surrounded it had it was really cool actually. Um, but I think part of the reason why this movie made me so weepy is because it felt like going home again. Not so much like the poisonous aspects of it, but the more beautiful details of the city that you remember, like yeah. walking around when you're a kid with your best friend through neighborhoods and certain houses that you have internalized in your memory. Like mm-hmm. the movie felt like going home. I mean, I haven't like been to the town I grew up in in a long time. I've lived there in like 10 years. So I think that it hit me in that way too. Yeah. Fly away home. That's <sighs> Great tag. tag. Great tag. All right. Well, I think it's fair to say this has been the most uh, sedate episode of the podcast. We're just, so just kind of like floating on we this vibe of Ladybird. We're just yeah. loving Ladybird. It's um, it's a masterpiece. It is. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's my number two. <laughs> it's my it. number one. And I haven't seen Call Me By Your Name, but uh, it's going to be tough to unseat. I think it's my number one. I've been coming to grips with this. It's it's I, it's a movie I haven't stopped thinking about. The thing is, is that A Quiet Passion, which is my number one, also hits me really close to home. Um, like, her internal battle with herself mm-hmm. really resonates with me and it's uncomfortable to watch and I just see exactly what Cynthia Nixon is doing and it's just like tied to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, the filmmaking is just exquisite. But I will have to watch it again. I mean, I would watch it again anyway because I believe it's on Amazon Prime. But I'm going to watch it again soon, unfortunately, in a death match <laughs> between that and Lady Bird. It's list-making season. It's list-making season. I feel well, that way about Faces Places. That, like, well, I just I saw need, it again. I need to watch it At the again. Egyptian with Agnes and JR. Um, I, the seeing it the second time around, I love it even more. Yeah. Uh, it's a magical movie. I love, I love Lady Bird even more the second time. Me too. Me like, too. The first time I saw it, I was like really high and I was excited and I was like, this is amazing. Were you actually se- high or just high on life? No, I was just high on life. <laughs> <laughs> the second time I saw it, I was so lit that I was almost like, should I just go again right now? Yeah. But I did. I know what you mean. But I was like even more. When we were texting in the group chat earlier today about this, I, I don't know if I said it, but I just wanted to go see it a third time. I didn't even want to record this. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in what I have to say about it. I just want to see what Greta has to say again. I just want again. to see it again and again. Yeah. And I'll watch I this movie a million times in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those. Yeah. Like, we didn't even talk about Tracy Letts, really. No. Who I think is we doing a lot more Smith. heavy lifting. The... Oh, baby. Lois Smith. The second scene that she has, the second office scene she has mm-hmm. with Lady Bird, especially, is wonderful. She's the one who points Lady Bird to theater, and she then she's is. also the yeah. one who makes the connection between love and attention. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also I didn't notice until the second time around when she's talking about Kierkegaard, I think. Yeah, and about how his writing they'll love his will love ma- story. They'll make you swoon. The way that Lady Bird is just watching her so affectionately, and the way that you watch a teacher that you just worship. It made the moment when she uh, puts the sign on the back of her car. Like you realize just how much she was putting on an act with that other girl totally. to try to impress her. To find she out what the her, deuce was. Calls a, her a cunt. Yeah, twice. <laughs> oh, one parking lot to oh, another so parking we, lot. <laughs> we left one parking lot to go to another parking lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. That's also very high school. Yeah. In like a, a low. That's where you hang out. Yeah. Nothing to do in Sacramento. You hang out in parking lots. I've mm-hmm. witnessed that in Livonia too. You hang out in parking lots. Yeah. I remember in Ohio meeting in a parking lot one night um, with another car so that we could do a handoff of like a 24-pack of natural light from yeah. one trunk to the other. Love a natty light. Nice. Behind like the local markets. Nice. Yeah. 
I remember like the the lamps overlooking the other empty spots, and then just like a bunch of kids up to no good yeah. in a yeah. parking lot. Yeah, I love a good grocery store parking lot. <sighs> All right, well, I think um, in summation, Lady Bird is a movie that everyone needs to see. After you're done listening to this, run out if you haven't seen it yet. Fly out. Fly out to see Lady Bird. Opens nationwide over Thanksgiving. I don't know when this episode's coming out. Maybe around then. Um, the Monday before Thanksgiving. Great. Perfect timing. It nationwide is. Thanksgiving. It's great. It's amazing. Greta Gerwig's amazing. And we love it. We can't say enough good things about it. I would, You know what? I would actually love to do another Lady Bird episode. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even kidding. Like uh, around the holidays, like into December, early January, when we talked about how we're going to probably have a gap in our schedule about what to talk about. Yeah. I'd lo- I really would love to talk about this again because, like, I after said, we've seen it ten times, I really yeah. don't. Even, I really think we barely scratched the surface of this movie, and we've talked about how much it affected us. But I think it shows how. Um, Haven't even just, gotten to the sorry. No, just just how much there is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a movie. Fun. Speaking of Citizen Kane, this is a movie that we could do the Roger Ebert thing of sit yeah. through, sit and go through it shot by shot over yeah, seven really hours. Really applies. Yeah, talk about focus. it. Mm-hmm. So look forward to the seven-hour podcast <laughs> in a month when we go shot by shot of Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. I think that I have to. I Greta, think with this movie, I think I have to. Yeah. I have very specific feelings on every shot exactly. of this movie. And I, I mean, you guys both did a really good job of talking about how you're feeling. But I'm really still like raw about this movie. And I don't think I'm ready to fully talk about yeah. how close it hits to home for me. I haven't put pen to paper about movies in a while, but I put pen to paper on this one. Nice. It made it made me feel enough to write it down. Nice, nice. All right. Well, this has been Movies IMO. I'm Brandon Kirby. You can find me on Twitter at bk kirby. I'm Daniel Crook. I have a little postcard of Ladybird Johnson and a field of flowers on my desk, <laughs> and I look forward to having a Ladybird poster above yes. it one day. I realize I talk a lot about the different pieces of posters. I poster work I have in my bedroom. Do you? Yeah, talked about it on another episode. On you some episode, I talked, Ida. I talked about I've got oh, an Ida right. thing. Oh, Ida. Sorry. Uh, anyway, I'm on Twitter, Daniel Crook, with three O's. Um, I'm Ben Empey. You can find me on Twitter, at Real Todd Haynes. You can find Movies IMO on Twitter, at Movies IMO. And we're on iTunes, so please subscribe, rate us five stars, and tell us how much you love Ladybird. Just talk about Ladybird in the comments. Yes. Yeah, and if you want to, just rate it for Ladybird too, because obviously that's five stars. Correct. Just think about Ladybird while you're rating our podcast five mm-hmm. stars. Thank you so much. And next week we're going to talk about oh, next week. three billboards outside three billboards Ebbing, outside Missouri. Ebbing, Missouri, which you two have seen already. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, do you want to spoil how you felt? No, I don't. Okay. Well, it's a movie that exists. Jesus. Um, <laughs> it's one of those movies that I, I really need just to stick my earplugs in whenever anybody talks about it. Because yeah, because we're every, already cri- every, every, you. No, but I mean, every not just through your negativity around it, but any specific complaint to hear, I'm like, that really sounds like something that yeah. would get stuck in my craw as well. Right. Um, so I'll just have to, again, put the earplugs in. Yeah. Um, I'm going to press stop. Okay, bye. The winner is Jane Fonda... Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.